Go ahead and have a seat. Good morning, everybody. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 37. It's on page 28 in your Bible. Genesis chapter 27. I'm sorry, 37. Genesis 37. While you're turning to that, I came across a story I think you'll appreciate, especially because it's getting closer to Valentine's Day. A wife woke up one morning and said, Honey, I just had a dream that you bought me a new gold necklace. What do you think it means? He said, I don't know, but Valentine's Day is coming soon, and you'll know then. A few nights later, she again woke up after having a dream. This time, I dreamed you gave me a pearl necklace. What do you think it means? He said, I don't know, but you'll find out on Valentine's Day. Well, the night before Valentine's came, she again woke up and she told her husband about her dream. This time I dreamed that you bought me a diamond necklace. What do you think it means? He said, honey, be patient. You'll find out tomorrow. Well, that evening, the husband came home with a package and he gave it to his wife. She couldn't wait to rip it open to find out what he got her. When she opened it up, she was disheartened to find a book entitled The Meaning of Dreams. <laughs> well, as you can tell, we're going to talk about dreams. Free to dream. There's a premise with this whole series that we're starting out today that's going to take us into the first week of March. I think it's going to be one of the most life-changing message series that you may ever experience. And so I would encourage you, have an open heart as we approach this and what God is going to do, because it's amazing how many lives it's already changed, even as we're in the preparation phase and ready to just begin it today. I want to encourage you to do a couple things. One is you might want to grab a pen or pencil and start jotting down the things that God is revealing to you, things that you want to go home and look up later on, things that God may put into your mind even during worship time, and just start jotting those down and start praying and saying, God, what does this mean? What do you want me to learn from this? Because God is going to speak individually to each and every one of you so that you understand what God is really asking for from you in your life. Now, the premise for this, let me just start out and tell you the premise for Free to Dream is starting with the understanding that you realize that Christ has set you free. I mean, if you look at the credit card that we have hanging on the wall, thanks, Kurt, for doing that. I just really appreciate it. Because that is a reminder for us, not just financially to be debt-free, but that cross in debt is where Christ set us free. His death on the cross gave us hope that God loves us, he forgives us, and that God wants to partner with us in his overarching dream that God has, that we have the privilege of partnering together with him. And so this whole series is starting on that premise that you understand that Christ loves you and died for you and set you free. And now God has dreams for you in what jo uh, of what Jesus wants you to, us to do. Okay, with that, we're going to dive in here. There's so much to cover in all of this. Chapter 37 of Genesis talks about Joseph. 
Now, I don't know how much you know about Joseph. I'll try to be brief, but there's so much packed into this. And uh, just kind of follow me and, and maybe jot some notes down. You're going to have to go back. Uh, grab a Bible. Feel free to write in your Bible as much as you want to. Take a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, just take it with you. Let's start verse, 30, uh, verse 1 of chapter 37. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him, and they couldn't speak a kind word to him. Okay, let's just pause there, because there's so much packed into this little bit. And I've had so much fun this week going and digging deeper and deeper, trying to say, what is this all about? First of all, I have to take you in just a little history tour of this, is that Joseph's dad was Jacob. Jacob worked for seven years for his wife Rachel, was tricked, and was given Leah instead, Rachel's sister. And then he had to work another seven years in order to have Rachel as his wife. And then it turns out that he loved Rachel, but he didn't love Leah, his first wife. And he was married to both of them, both sisters. I know it sounds kind of weird and kind of funky, but this is kind of Old Testament stuff. Well, Leah was having all these kids, four kids. Rachel couldn't have kids. So Rachel does this crazy thing and gives her husband her maid and says, here, take my maid, sleep with my maid, and then I'll have kids through my maid. And that's what he did. And, uh, you know, Jacob, I'll tell you what, he's not a very smart guy to be doing that stuff. <laughs> but he did. And there's a lot of trouble that followed. Well, then she starts having kids, and then Leah doesn't have any more kids. And so Leah says, well, I'll tell you what, take my maid. And Jacob, like a fool, says, okay. <laughs> has more kids. Then Leah has more kids. I mean, it sounds like rabbits, doesn't it? <laughs> and then finally, Rachel, his loved wife, has a child whose name is Joseph. And then she has a second child whose name is Benjamin. But in childbirth, she dies. And so Jacob has these 12 kids. And these 12 kids are out tending, um, well, not all of them, they're out tending their father's flocks, Jacob's flocks. So let's go back to verse 2 for a minute. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah, that was a maid, and the sons of Zilpah, that was a maid, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. You know, just kind of an odd thing if you like, you know, Bible trivia. Uh, there's somebody's name that's not here. If you notice, Leah's name was not mentioned. And I don't know why that is, but Leah's name is not mentioned. But Leah's sons are out there, and they're all tending these flocks. And so they're out, and there's something really kind of bad going on. And Joseph was sent to go talk to them. And then he brings their father a bad report about them. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Verse 3, now Israel, Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, 
and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. Now, I got to tell you, this bothered me. I mean, this actually kept me up this week during the night. It was bothering me. What do you mean he loved him more than the others? It seems like such almost a scandalous that you got 12 sons and you pick a favorite and you love the favorite and then all the other brothers wind up hating him. And as I began to unpack more and search the scriptures more, it was the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen in the story of Joseph. And here's what I discovered. What I discovered in studying through this, and you can do this, okay? Don't take my word for this. You want to start in chapter 25 of Genesis, and you might want to read through the whole book of Genesis after that, the next 25 chapters. And chapters like 25 and 28 and 31 are key, and then at the end, chapter 49 is a real key to get a real good picture of what's going on here. But anyways, what's going on is that Joseph's brothers were getting into all kinds of trouble. I mean, Reuben, the oldest son, decides to sleep with his dad's wife. Not the smartest thing he ever did, okay? And brings a lot of scandal into the family because of it. Then the next two sons decide that they're angry because their, their younger sister was violated sexually. And so they have this brilliant plan to go, if you will, kind of handicap this group of people that were responsible for this. And then they go and they kill them all and take all the wives and the kids and steal everything. And so those two sons bring disgrace. Then Judah, the fourth son, what he does is he's the one that decides it's a great idea to sell Joseph as a slave. And he disgraces the family. And then it goes on and on and on. And if you want to know what Jacob feels about these 12 sons, that's when you jump to chapter 49 and you'd start to discover how Jacob really feels about his sons because of all the trouble that they brought into the family. Now, in the midst of all of these brothers bringing trouble on the family, Joseph, who seems like a hot shot according to this, actually is turning out to be an amazing young man. And his family begins to recognize it. Jacob begins to recognize that there's something more to this son than anybody else. You see, Jacob, years earlier, in chapters 28 and 31, had the blessing of God upon Jacob's life. And when Jacob was going to get a wife for, him, for his son, he was blessed and said, May you and your kids be blessed with the, the blessing of Almighty God. Okay, I hope you're following me. Then Joseph turns out that Jacob recognizes the blessing of God is upon his son Joseph. And so he makes this, this robe for Joseph. Now what's the significance of the robe? It meant he was never going to work as the other brothers worked in labor. He was going to be the overseer. See, Jacob was the younger son between him and Esau. You may remember Jacob and Esau, the story. Jacob was the younger who was ruling over the older. And so here was Joseph that he knew that Joseph was going to be ruling over his brothers. 
that the inheritance, the family business, was going to go to Joseph. And Joseph would be the overseer of everything that belonged to the family. He was upright in the family of high character. And we'll find that out in weeks to come, that Joseph was a man of character, even at 17. And this thing about he was born to his father in old age, one of the commentators had this great thing. He said, did you know that's an expression? And the expression is this. It means you have an old head on young shoulders. That's what the expression means. You know what that means about Joseph? You had a very mature person who was well beyond his years in a 17-year-old. Even though he made some bad choices along the way, Joseph was very mature for his age. And so Jacob looked at Joseph and said, God's hand is on you and made this robe for him. And then his brothers, when they saw it, they couldn't stand him. Okay, now, with all that in mind, okay, let's go back and read this, and I think it'll make more sense now. Verse 2, Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhan, the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. He wasn't tattling. He was the overseer. And he brought back faithfully and said, Dad, you need to know what's going out on there with your flocks is not real good. And Jacob was an incredibly wealthy man because of the, of the blessing of God and had scores. We don't even know how many flocks he had of sheep. And yet how they were being taken care of was not good. Verse 3. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Why? Because there was something incredible about Joseph that he recognized. It says, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him, and they couldn't speak a kind word to him. Verse 5. You might want to underline this. Joseph had a dream. Just stop there. So what, you may think. He had a dream. Do you know the Bible's very specific who was given dreams? Gideon was given a dream. Solomon was given a dream. Joseph, with Jesus, was given three dreams. And it's very specific on these dreams. Now, what was important about the dreams is you might want to jot this verse down. It's Numbers chapter 12, verse 6, says this. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, God says, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. So when Joseph had a dream, it made everybody in the family shudder. You see, his dad Jacob, in chapter 28 and chapter 31, had two dreams. And God fulfilled them. And Jacob knew when God speaks in a dream, listen, because God is revealing himself to you. And that's when Jacob really came to know his Savior. And so Joseph, when Joseph had a dream, this is what it meant. That what, what Jacob saw in his son, God put his stamp of approval on. And God gets in the middle of this and says, my hand is on this boy.
this young man. And so he has this dream. Well, what's the dream about? Verse 5, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. You might want to underline this. Then he had another dream. Why is that so significant? Because when God speaks in dreams twice, listen to what Joseph in chapter 41, listen to what Joseph says about when the Pharaoh had two dreams. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. See, you know what that means? That means that when God spoke to Joseph twice, it was firmly decided by God and by Jacob what God was going to do in Joseph's life. And when the brothers heard this, they were so angry. But you know, they weren't angry at Joseph. Who are they really angry at? God. Because God was the one that firmly decided this, not Jacob. Well, what was that dream about? Verse 9, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. You know, it keeps getting worse if you're a brother. Because what this means when it's the sun and the moon and the stars is it means it's a divine dream. The first one was grain, agriculture. But the second one is celestial. And the celestial dream was emphatic to the brothers of God. That God was declaring this. Not me. And how was their, their reaction? They hated him all the more. But it really, again, it wasn't about Joseph. It was how far these brothers had gone away from God. And they hated it that God was choosing their younger brother. And his anointing was on Joseph for the family. Well, then Jacob jumps in here. Verse 10, when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Kind of interesting that that phrase, kept the matter in mind. Remember when Mary had Jesus? And then all these people were saying these amazing things about Jesus. And it says, Mary treasured all of these things in her heart. And Jacob kept all these things in mind. Jacob, as he kept these things in mind, he must have been scanning his own life, going, God, I remember when you spoke to me in this occasion. God, I remember when you revealed yourself to me in this situation. God, I remember the amazing things that you did in my life. And now I get to see what you're going to do in my son's life. And yet he watched the rest of his sons despise what God was doing. 
Okay, let's switch gears for a minute. I want to talk about dreams for a minute. Because it's too easy to look at this and say, well, that was Joseph's dream. When Christ died for us, he left the disciples with this amazing dream. And he wanted them to go into all the world because he wants the world to be saved. God declared his dream for the world. And you and I are a part of God's dream. You're not alive because of some happen chance. You're alive because of God. And God instilled in every person a dream. And you know what a dream is very simply? It's something that God wants you to do. It's that simple. What does God want you to do? And when you do what God wants you to do, you're fulfilling God's dream for you. So don't think that this is some mysterious, oh, I got to have this big dream or whatever. No. God has put it on your heart from the time that you were, even before you were born. He said to the prophet Jeremiah, before I formed you, I knew you. God already had a plan for Jeremiah before he was born. God already had a plan for you and I before we took our first breath. And God began to instill in us certain things from little on that you may or may not even be aware of. And as you raise up, God will give you something he wants you to do. And when that's fulfilled, God gives you another one. When that one's fulfilled, God gives you another one. When that one's fulfilled, he gives you another one all the way up until the day that you die. And a dream is very simply asking the question, God, what do you want me to do? If you want a life-changing experience this week, you start asking God daily, what is it that you want me to do, God? What do you want me to do? And when God has your attention, He'll begin to show you what he wants you to do. See, let me talk about dreams for just a moment. Because here's the thing, a couple things, a couple premises with dreams. Oftentimes with a dream, you can't see it. I mean, it's not like, you know, like, there it is. That's what I'm supposed to do. Sometimes you can't see it. Or you see a part of it, and you know that you're supposed to do something. But God's waiting for you to take that first step. Oftentimes it's beyond you. God usually doesn't say, all right, I'm going to give you a dream within your current sphere, if you will. God usually says, all right, here's what I want you to do, but it's going to require that you step out of your comfort zone. And that's when a lot of us panic, and we're going to talk about that in coming weeks, how hard it is to get out of our comfort zone. Sometimes God causes that. Other times God waits for us to take that step. And so the dream is there that God has for every single one of us. And if you didn't have a dream, you wouldn't be alive. Because if God's through with you and you accomplish everything God wants you to do, you'd be in heaven. If you're still here, by virtue of you being here, because God has something for you to do. God wants you to ask, what is it that you want me to do, God? 
so that you can begin to do those things that God wants you to do. All right, here's a couple more things with, with the dreams. It could be a passion. It's something that's positive that you feel very strongly about. Like some of you have a passion for prison ministry. Way to go. You have a passion for angel tree. You've got a passion for something to make a difference. And you're living that passion and you're, you're going with that passion. That's a great thing. For other people, what it could be instead of being a positive, it could be a negative. It's a discontent. You're so angry about social injustice. You're angry about what's going on in families today that's destructive. You're angry about abuse. You're angry about something that God has given you this, given you this discontent that you're just frustrated. You want to do something. And for others, dreams are stemmed from longings. I wonder how many of you, when it came to Haiti, you just had a longing in you. You wanted to do something but you didn't know what to do. But you knew you were supposed to do something. I want you to watch a video. This is about an eight-year-old. She's in our faith family. Her name is Taylor. Taylor, at eight, year old, eight years old, had a dream to make a difference. Take a look. second day after Thanksgiving this year and said, hey mom, I've got uh, my suitcase all packed full, my toys ready to go sell them to the neighbors. And I'm looking at her like, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> I said, why do you want to sell your toys to the neighbors? And she said, well, I want to raise money to um, go buy food to put in your suitcase to take to Haiti for the Haitians. And I said, oh, that's very sweet of you. And uh, essentially I just started thinking about, okay, how can I take this, this dream of my daughter's of selling her toys door to door and making it a little bit bigger. Take my love, my Lord, a lot of people are probably living in tents right now in Haiti and they don't have as much and and they aren't as safe in tents than like like a house house, not like just a tent. And a lot of bad things have been happening in that um country or state and um, I think they should have a stronger home instead of just town. I wanted to help inspire that with Taylor and I've been extremely, extremely busy uh, this whole year and have wanted to do something but haven't had that little extra and so when Taylor came and said that it was like finally I was like okay God I, I, I get what you're asking of me and so I uh, was willing to, to go ahead and do that for Taylor and, and not only that but just to use this opportunity to show others um, what you can do as an individual, as a, as a group, as a family, as a, a business, as anything, as a whole community. We can all get together and go what we can do for all of So what ended up coming up with us is that 
We're gonna have an event at the at your personal image where we're doing massages and facials for donations to build homes in Haiti. It all stems from a, a love and passion that I have for Haiti already. And it's really neat to see that love and, and desire in my daughter's eyes and heart as well. Here am I. homesofgraceforhaiti.wordspress.com Pretty cool, isn't it? Taylor, is she here this morning? I saw her dad here. Where is she? She's in Kids Creek. All right, good. Um, how about we just say thanks? Because this is amazing, isn't it? Let me ask you this. How about you? Here's a young lady who said, I'm going to do something about this dream that God gave me. And thanks to her mom and dad who said, we'll help you. I want to walk through a couple of fallacies because you may be thinking some of these right now. I want to strip these. You may say, I don't have a dream. Have you ever asked? Have you ever asked the question, God, what do you want me to do? I bet God has a dream. I have to invent my own dream. No, you don't. God already gave it to you. For some, you may think that you have a dream, but it's just not that important. It may be something small, but it's important to God because it's part of God's bigger dream. You may be saying, I have a dream, but it's up to God to make it happen. No. God has asked you to partner with him to take that first step to accomplish what God wants you to do. For some of you, may you, you may say, I had a dream, but it's too late, or your dream died. It's never too late. There's example after example in the Bible about like Moses, who was 80 years old before he began taking the first step to fulfilling that dream. God has a plan for you. That's why you're alive. And it's up to you to say, God, what do you want me to do? And here's where you're going to be so blessed if you do that. When you ask the dream giver what you want, what he wants you to do, what you're going to discover is the dream giver. You're going to, you're going to encounter a living God, which is what God wants. And as you take the time over these next couple of months and say, God, what do you want me to do? You're going to discover God in a way that may be fresh. It may be a first for you. And it's probably going to be life-changing. 
And in the process, you're going to have greater purpose than you've ever had maybe in your life. Because God will share with you what he wants you to do. Now, we're just going to try to help you with this. See, this is much more, you've got work in this, okay? Don't just rely on Sunday morning. I want to encourage you this week, go home, read through, start at Genesis 25 or Genesis chapter 1 and make a commitment to read through the book of Genesis. It's going to help God speak to you in your heart. You have a booklet. If you didn't get one, grab one on the way out. Free to dream. This is homework. This is for you to go home and take the first session and answer the questions and write down whatever God is sharing with you in your life. We got a website just for this. It's called freetodream.tv. Not .com, not .net, not .org, .tv. Just like your television. And what you're going to find is I'm going to be blogging there. You're going to find the messages there, the booklet there. If you miss a Sunday, you can go there and you can, you can get the messages or you can go to our church website. But stay in tune to that and allow God to start working in you. That is, you discover the dream giver, you're going to discover God's plan for you. Let's pray together. God, you're amazing. God, I have seen you work mightily in the last month as we've been preparing for this series. Months. But in the last month, God, you've been changing hearts and lives as we've been getting ready for this series. And I can't wait what you're going to do in the hearts of all of us. God, you've really grabbed my heart this week in, a, in an incredible way. I thank you for that. And I pray that every person here would take this challenge and ask the question, a very dangerous question, what do you want me to do? And then God, give us the courage to take the first step. So Lord, as we talk through these dreams and your plans and purpose for us, we ask that you'd make it clear and help us to really find you as we're going to seek you in this process. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen.